Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded, from Disaster Recovery Journal and its flawless business resilience. Now, here's your host, Vanessa Vaughn. Welcome to Business Resilience Decoded. I am your host, Vanessa Vaughn, the founder and resilience officer of Asphalus. We have a great guest lined up for you today speaking on the topic, developing a successful crisis management program. Let's jump right into today's conversation and meet our first guest, Regina Phelps, the president and CEO of EMS Solutions Incorporated. Regina, thank you so much for joining us today. Vanessa, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. Regina, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself as well as your background and the company that you represent? Thank you. Uh, So I'm president and founder of EMS Solutions. We've been in practice since 1982. We specialize in a variety of things in in the broad umbrella of business continuity management, business continuity overall, crisis management, pandemic planning, and exercise design. We work for large multinational corporations, and we successfully work in four continents in the world. So how did you get into this space? Ah, my background's originally in the field of nursing. I was a hospital administrator for uh, quite a few years, and then I finished my thesis for a uh, program that I was planning on putting into a hospital, and I ended up getting fired. Uh, And I thought to myself in 1982, maybe I should do this. And so I started my own firm, and we've been wildly successful since then. So you've seen crisis management evolve over the years. Yes, I have. <laughs> so that that's very um, interesting. It really takes us into our first question. So what is crisis management? You know, that's a, such a great question because it really depends on who you ask. So, for example, if you were to line up many professionals in our field, they would all give you a slightly different answer. So if you ask a crisis communications person what's crisis management, they'll tell you it's all about managing reputation and brand and interfacing and putting out a message. If you talk to a disaster recovery person, they'll talk about recovering technology, often under the terms of crisis management. If you talk to a business continuity and a crisis manager, they'll tell you it's all about the holistic recovery of the business. And if you talk to an executive, They'll tell you mainly about reputation and brand. We prefer to look at crisis management from a holistic perspective, that it really means all of those aspects of the organization, dealing with the emergency response, the business continuity, the disaster recovery, and the crisis communications, and holistically at the top of the organization, both at the executive level and the level below the more tactical team, really managing the crisis so that you can actually recover your mission-critical functions, maintain your reputation and brand, message to your to your customers, and restart your business. I can definitely see how different people will have different definitions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what is a successful crisis management program? Many people ask us that, and I, I really think it boils down to four things. First of all, you have to have a really clearly defined team structure. So how is it organized? What are your executives doing? What is the more tactical group doing? Uh, And then there has to be clear roles and responsibilities for those teams. And so that's the first thing, team structure and roles and responsibilities. The second thing is, how do you even begin to assess an incident when it occurs? So there should be a very clearly defined incident team that does this assessment. We call it an incident assessment team. And then what are the processes, the criteria they use to actually evaluate something to say, oh my gosh, it's bigger than a bread box. We need to do something. The third thing that needs to happen is they need to have the ability to develop what's called an incident action plan. What's that? If you're familiar with the incident command system, an IAP or an incident action plan literally is 
three things. What's the situational awareness for the, for the incident we're facing? What are the objectives? What are the strategic objectives we need to do? Think of it like a to-do list that we need to work on right now. And the third thing is when do we come back together to check in, which is called an operational period. It's not rocket science, but most organizations don't do those. And the fourth thing is the ability to issue timely and effective communications. And the, I, that is so critical in this day and age with social media, because if you don't do that, you're never going to be able to manage the message at all. And so that is critically important. So those four things. So in our industry, we have different levels of practitioners as well as organizations that may be small, medium to large and may have different levels of crisis management programs. From your perspective and with your years of experience, what are the differences that you see in an entry level program versus a robust crisis management program? Yeah, that's a great question. So an entry-level program, people are still trying to figure out where the light switch is in the room, so to speak. They're really, you know, they're starting to figure out what do I do? How do I interface with other people? Who's in charge? How do we communicate? So it's really all of those things that are that are that are just the entry-level things. Now, team competencies develop over time and it is an iterative process. So that's the hard thing for most folks to understand initially is that you just can't turn on a switch and all of a sudden we become brilliant crisis managers. It is iterative over time and we develop competencies and muscle memory over time. And the way that you get good at that, frankly, is either one of two ways. One is you have lots of crises which nobody really wants to do, or secondarily, you have lots of exercises that really develop, develop competency over time. And so what we push our folks to really look at is how can you become more robust and more effective? And that takes two things, time and developing of that muscle memory that comes through exercises. It also sounds like you have to measure that in order for you to see that, right? Yeah, you do have to measure it. And over time, what happens is you'll actually see that, especially in the exercise development where Teams deal with much more comprehensive problems, are much more efficient and effective at being able to actually make a, a, a quicker solution to something. And that because, that's because they're gelling as a team. They're understanding the roles and responsibilities, and they're really developing some stride, if you will, as they move forward in the development. So you work very closely, as you mentioned, with the senior leadership team, as well as the tactical teams that support the organization. Mm -hmm. um, from your interactions with those team members, what's the value on investment for crisis management? That's a great question. A lot of times people ask, ask it to me in a slightly different way, and they ask, what's the return on investment? And, and that's a, a, a question I never like to answer because it's not a one that works for us at all in our field. Return on investment is a very hard and fast, uh, you know, basically you're saying I, I spent so much money and I actually was able to get so much back. A value on investment is a slightly different term. And it was actually invented by the Gartner Group uh, in 2000. And it's basically looking at value. So it's basically how, what value do you contribute to the organization? And that's a much healthier way to look at what we do, because there's really no clear measurement of crisis management or business continuity in particular. Even though people may say, gosh, let's go to the BIA and we'll be able to see how much money we save. Well, there's just so many nuances to that question. You really can't answer it that way. So value on investment is super important. And I always say to my clients, you need to think about what value you provide to your company every single day, whether it's crisis management or business continuity or anything under the umbrella of the business continuity management. What's the value that you contribute? What, what's, what are you, how are you helping the company every single day? And there's a whole laundry list of things that you could actually peel back. 
So when we think about value, um, what are the recommendations that you have for senior level practitioners in the industry around successful crisis management programs so that we can continuously deliver? So as I mentioned earlier, programs are iterative in nature. And so what happens, I think, with some programs is they get stuck. And so when I talk to a senior level practitioner, I, I mentioned two things that they have to do. The first thing is they have to have really innovative exercises. And I find that what happens with a lot of folks is they just kind of do the same thing over and over again. And they develop basic tabletop exercises where I call them blah, blah, blah exercises. So, which sounds kind of, I'm not, not, not making fun of somebody, but essentially tabletop exercises where you give people a problem and they talk about what they would do. I would do this, I would do that, but they never have to do it. And so the way you build program, the way you deepen learning and actually expand plans and really get people energized and deeply understand what their role is, is by making super interesting exercises where you introduce new things. So we almost always do exercises that involve a simulation team. So instead of giving somebody a, an exercise inject or a problem they, and talk about what they would do, what we do is we make them have to talk to a simulator who then may push back. They may not like that answer. They may ask them more questions. And then they think, oh, my gosh, that wasn't the best answer. Oh, my gosh, my plan isn't as good as it could be. And you make them think more deeper. That's really it. the first thing that you can always do. Then you can create things like uh, we do lots of video in all of our exercises that will show a news team coming to a, an organization like yours with your problem. And then that really pushes the executives through the window and it makes the crisis communications people really think about what they would say. So innovative exercises that really push people to a deeper learning is super important. The second thing I would say to a, a senior level practitioner is that you're really a marketer and you just don't think you are. So a marketing program is something that you should be super thinking about uh, because we have to constantly demonstrate our value. And there's two ways that you should be thinking about marketing. The first one is really looking at doing either what I call overt marketing. And the second is more covert marketing. Overt marketing is taking advantage of those things that are happening in our environment every day, or maybe, for example, things such as a, a month-long program like in September, which is National Preparedness Month, or in April in California is Earthquake Preparedness Month, or October is National Fire Month, and you can build off that. Uh, but you can also then look at more covert means. And what does that mean? If you know that your executives are interested in a certain topic or area, you can then set up something on Google Alerts, which I highly recommend people to use. If you're not familiar with Google Alerts, all you do is Google, Google Alerts. And you can set up keywords that will then, uh, Mama Google every day will send you a great email with a whole bunch of topics in it. In your industry titles, you put in what you're interested in following, and my goodness, so you might put manufacturing and tornadoes and uh, supply chain disruptions, and ah, oh my gosh, every day you'll get something sent to you. Then you can take those articles, you can give them to your executives and other key individuals within your crisis program, and they will begin to understand more deeply. These things are going on all the time, just thankfully it hasn't happened to you. And the last part of that marketing program is actually developing what I call the perfect elevator speech. You should figure that you walk into an elevator someday and maybe you're in a 10-story building and so you got about 15 seconds and you happen to meet your CEO and he asks you, what do you do for our company? Because perhaps he doesn't know you, he or she doesn't know you. You should have the perfect elevator speech about why crisis management is so important to that company. And it better not be something like, when the bad thing happens, you'll be really glad I'm here. It should be talking about the value you provide every day. That makes a lot of sense. So you've mentioned marketing, technology, planning processes. What types of resources does it require to have a successful crisis management program? 
So first of all, it really does take a certain amount of investment of time. It talk, takes some super careful planning. What I really encourage people to do is to really shake it up. Don't get comfortable in your role. Just shake it up. So what that means is that sometimes what happens is that you need to either bring somebody in from the outside periodically to make your program look a little different. So maybe you bring in an outside uh, firm to actually do an exercise for you to shake it up a little bit. Or maybe you have an assessment done of your organization from a business continuity management perspective to see that it actually what it, what it might need to improve. The idea is you need to constantly be looking inside and evaluating what your program is all about because that's that will help you understand what your resources are. It's not necessarily that you need so many FTEs. It might be that you actually need some new application or new, new innovative software to really make your program what it needs to be. So the idea is look around uh, your organization, look around your peer group, talk to people and see what others are doing. What I've seen in the industry in the last uh, well, since the big financial meltdown of 2008, as I've seen an in, uh, increased challenge for practitioners to get additional resources, you always have to prove value, you always have to prove why you're important. And so I think it's important that you constantly be looking at what others are doing. You look at the industry overall, you look at what's happened in your field, uh, and then really package that in a way that executives will understand that you need at least at the minimum continued resources as you currently have, but perhaps what you need are more based on the threat that you're actually experiencing. Mm-hmm. So you've had an opportunity to see the crisis management business continuity industry from the very beginning until now. And so I've been very interested in your response to this question. What changes do you think we will see in crisis management over the next five to 10 years? And I, I, I ask that as I think about the way that our world is changing from a global perspective, from a political environment. I'm just really interested in your feedback there. Mm-hmm. So I think um, we can't be flat-footed. That's the first thing I would say is that we need to really expand our vision about what a crisis might be. The first thing is, is that overall, we need to have a really good handle on situational awareness at all times. And I think we've seen over the last five or six years that has really changed. As you mentioned, just the the politics and if you're a global company, the impact of supply chain disruption that can occur simply because of the politics that are happening in in an area where you might be working. So the first thing is we have to have a really good command of situational awareness. But what we're going to need to do as as organizations begin to shift and change and we become more virtual, we need to be able to manage crises more virtually. And so I think there's a more, I mean, there's many companies that will manage, have virtual teams, but I'm really talking more about an organized response in a virtual manner. So what that leads me to is I think you're going to see more in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see more virtual teams, but they're going to be utilizing, I pray, more virtual types of software. I still see teams trying to manage a crisis using phone bridges, conference bridges, but that's insane. If it's an event that goes on for more than a few hours, there's absolutely no way you can successfully do that. So I've been encouraging my clients to really look at ways they can have utilize applications in particular that are things applications that people could use all the time. So uh, there's a lot of there's about five or six actual EOC or emergency operations center softwares. I don't recommend any of them. What I recommend is that companies look at things such as virtual software that could be used in collaborative teams. So for example, Microsoft Team, which just came out with a collaborative software. Things like Campbase, which is a a project management software. There are many that are out there that you can modify and you can make a fabulous virtual command center where you could have people all remote everywhere and really um, be able to manage an event. 
The other thing I think that's going to be happening over the next five to 10 years is companies are going to really see the importance of crisis management. And that's really going to be driven by cyber attacks. The number one issue that keeps an executive or a board up at night are cyber attacks to this very day. And the problem with that is that many organizations realize after a cyber attack, their crisis management program isn't what it should be. And so I think you're going to see executives putting more emphasis and interest in crisis management. And that also might mean that it might migrate as an or as a function within a company under departments such as ERMs or uh, a legal department. Mm, that makes sense. So do you think that this innovation has a place in crisis management planning and program development? Yeah, it does, actually. And as I mentioned earlier, I think it's the virtualization issue. But virtualization is good and bad. You you can't solely live on virtualization because I want to remind you that we have many parts of the country where regional events will be a big problem. So earthquakes, tornado storms, hurricanes, which could have widespread power outages, loss of Internet. So you can't just think that a virtual command center is going to manage all events. So as I say to all my clients, you had better figure out what is the best way that you can manage an event and do it virtually, but you better have a way that you back it up in paper. Because just think of a cyber attack that kills an electrical grid, for example, or an earthquake of which you lose power in an area for 72 hours, which means no internet, no electricity. So you have to have a really good backup. So I think the combination of that virtualization is super important, but you still have to be able to do things the old way. Okay. But we talked a lot about technology. So one of the other questions that I have is around artificial intelligence. Your perspective on if it really has a place in crisis management. It's a great question. So I think AI has huge um, value in a couple of areas of our, in our work. One of them is in the is building situational awareness. So you look at how AI can actually help you. You can imagine that if you are a global company in particular, and you have people traveling all over the world, you've got supply chain issues all over the world. And of course, that means that there is weather issues, there's disruption because of what's ever happening in a certain city, which could be crime or power outages or whatever. You can use AI to basically look across the world, take all the data feeds of where you have locations, take all the the data feeds of of what's happening in those areas and pull that together and then feed that up to you to say, look, you have a manufacturing plant in Turkey and Istanbul and there's a fire two blocks down the street and that means your, your area could be at risk. That's super great. I mean, that kind of situational awareness which AI can bring to us is really important. Where I think AI will not be maybe helpful in the next few years anyway, is really more in the nuanced aspects of crisis management. Because crisis management is really the broad understanding of the business, taking in all of the information from situational awareness, looking at all the plans you have, and then understanding how to make that work. Eventually, perhaps AI will be able to do all of that and we can all be unemployed, but I think it's going to be a while before that happens. I think AI has the greatest value right now in being able to bring us situational awareness and put it up in a way that we can actually understand it and not have to pick through it ourselves. Yeah, that makes sense. So it really sounds like we still need the human element. Yeah, so far. (laughs) That makes sense. So Regina, I know you are an author. Um, Do you have anything new coming out? Thank you for asking. As a matter of fact, I do. I've uh, written three books and my fourth book is coming out early September and it's called Crisis Management, How to Develop a Powerful Program, Build a Team, Secure Executive Support, and Be Prepared for Whatever Happens. And it's basically a data dump of my brain of the 36 years we've been in practice and how you can build the best crisis management team and program for your company. Well, that sounds like a follow-up to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
good one. Fantastic. So how can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just put in my name, Regina Phelps. You can also Google me, uh, Regina Phelps, and the first few pages are all me. Or you can find my company, EMS Solutions, Inc. So it's ems-solutionsinc.com. Fantastic. Well, Regina, you have been a fantastic guest, and we thank you for your time on this podcast. Thank you for tuning in to Business Resilience Decoded with the Disaster Recovery Journal and As Follows. Look out for future episodes. Business Resilience Decoded is produced and edited by John Seals. For more information, visit drj.com slash decoded and asfollisadvisors.com slash decoded. Write to us on Twitter at drdecoded.